You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. about Mondays? Uh, That's my question for you. Do you like them? Do you dread Mondays? Me personally, I feel pretty good about Mondays because like many pastors, I'm now taking Monday as my day of rest. Uh, But I certainly used to dread Mondays. I can remember as a kid when the the sun had gone down on Sunday evening, I would begin to worry. All of the homework that I did not do on Friday or Saturday or all day on Sunday, I suddenly felt like I needed to hurry up and do it. Uh, Monday was this sort of big looming deadline. I think Jesus was having a not so great Monday when he was being questioned about his authority. If you read earlier, he had already cursed a fig tree because it wasn't producing fruit as it should have. And now this is just the last thing that he needed, one more run-in with the religious bosses in Jerusalem, with those who thought that they were in control. This was turning out to be a bad Monday. And what is worse, it was Jesus' last Monday, the last Monday before the cross on Friday, and he knew it was his last. Sunday, the day before, things had gone a little bit better. There were crowds, there was cheering, there was song, there were children singing messianic praises to their king. But Jesus did something that was a little bit upsetting. He went down to the temple and he disrupted things. This is a popular word nowadays in the business community. Uh, Disruptor. Be a disruptor, they say. Um, I guess it means something like coming in and messing with the status quo. Uh, Messing with the assumed order of things. People like Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos are said to be disruptors because they're changing the whole landscape of how we interact or how we buy things. But these guys were not the original disruptors. Jesus was a disruptor. He turned over those tables. He yelled angrily at the money changers. He made a whip and whipped animals, and they were uh, running in all directions. Total mayhem, chaos. This place of prayer, of worship, had been turned into a common street market. And Jesus disrupted. He upset the apple cart. So now the question comes, they said, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority, they ask. What gives you the right to disrupt in this way? Authority. 
What a word that is, authority. Uh, it's perceived so differently in different cultures. Uh, I read recently, Susan, this is the article that you shared, that Korea is changing, they say. That people are no longer tolerating abuse of authority as they once did. That young people uh, don't like it, and so we are seeing these instances of CEOs being held accountable for abuses of authority. I thought to my own culture, I thought, well, what about America? Do they like authority? Do they not like it? And I, I think it's not a matter of liking or disliking authority. I'd say there's a strong tradition of defying authority. Uh, that's how America got its start, after all, by defying the authority of the British crown. And through our history, through our music and our films, we have often expressed a kind of skepticism or outright rejection of authority. I can remember as a teenager, um, I did not do well with authority figures. This is kind of common. Uh, teachers or bosses, especially bosses, uh, co-workers, uh, sometimes my parents. I chose to defy authority on occasion. I remember my first job was at a restaurant some of you have heard of. It's called McDonald's. And uh, the manager at McDonald's, I was 16 years old, and the manager said, I think they called me Charles. I think they made the name tag on the first day. It said Charles, and I didn't bother to change it. So they said, Charles, go and clean the, the women's room and the men's room. And I said, no, I don't want to. And I just refused. I said I wasn't going to do it. Now, a month or two later, I sat down for my first performance review. And I was handed a piece of paper. It says 90-day evaluation. And it said, you have received blank rays. And in the blank, he wrote zero cents. Now, frankly, I got what I deserved. That was the raise that I deserved. It's what I got. But at the time, it made me even more upset with authority. I quit not long after that. Now, in Jesus' day, life, uh, in his day in life, authority was always assumed. Everyone agreed that it flowed absolutely and completely from God. God was creator, God was lawgiver, and you were either working inside this created order or you were disrupting. You were working from the outside, and this was the accusation against Jesus, that he was working outside of this authority. Of course, we know that he was working well within his authority, he was sent from the Father, but they could not see that. I... Do not question Jesus' authority. I believe in it. I believe he is God made man. Scripture tells us that Jesus' authority is absolute. His supremacy is complete. Uh, Colossians is very famous for this. I'll just read one verse. This is speaking of Christ. It says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. You can't get much more complete than that. 
So I don't question it as the religious rulers did. For me, a different question I find much more interesting and much more important for us today. And that is, when did Jesus exercise his authority and when did he not? Because we can learn something from this question. Now, I'm going to go through a series of scriptures to answer this. And I'm not putting the scripture references up. If you have a Bible or maybe you have a Bible on your phone, you're welcome to follow along. Uh, Otherwise, you're just going to have to listen. And I understand that it's harder to listen to scriptures, so bear with me. But I'm going to move through them quickly. So this is my question. When did Jesus exercise his authority? When did he not? I'm going to begin with when he did. The first thing that he did, he exercised his authority while he was teaching. For this, I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 7, 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Secondly, he taught, he used his authority over sin and disease. This is from Mark chapter 2. Um, This is the time when the the man who was paralyzed was lowered down from the ceiling in front of him. He says this, Jesus says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed. And glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Jesus exercised his authority over evil spirits. Mark chapter 1. This demon, this multiple demons, he says, name is Legion. He says to Jesus, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him, crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. Jesus exercised his authority over nature. Mark chapter 4. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling with water. And Jesus was in the stern, asleep, on a cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was great calm. And finally, Jesus exercised authority even over life and death. I thought of that little girl who was raised, that 12-year-old girl, Jairus' daughter. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up 
and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Interesting, in each one of these cases, Jesus actually did not pray, did he? In each one of these cases, he just spoke. He commanded the waves to stop. He commanded that girl to live. He commanded the evil spirit to be quiet and leave the man. He spoke. Now, I know that was a lot of scripture. And I've heard a sermon or two before, and I know it's hard to hear all that. So I'm going to give you a pause and a break. Fun fact. I did some research into my family tree a couple of years ago, and it was sort of life-changing for me. I found out that I had so many faithful Christians in my family tree. Uh, one of them was named after those words that Jesus spoke to that girl in Aramaic, in his native language. Uh, he, he said, Talitha kumi, to that girl, meaning little girl, arise. And my father's mother's father's mother, born in 1869, so this is my great-great-grandmother, her name is Talitha Kumite Easter Day. And I thought that's a pretty cool name. You know, I would like to have the bravery to name my daughter Talitha Kumi. What a wonderful thing. Okay, commercial break over. Back to the sermon. So Jesus had authority. He used that authority. That's what he spent his whole ministry doing until the last few days. And it's significant that he had authority and he used it because that confirms his teaching. His teachings are true. His miracles were real. And therefore we should listen to him. But what's even more significant is that Jesus in his last few hours did not exercise his authority. He stopped using it. He instead submitted to our authority. He submitted to corrupt human authority. And he did it out of love. So contrast all that you see up here, these scriptures, contrast that with these times where Jesus did not exercise his authority. He did not exercise his authority when he was arrested. The guards came up to him and Jesus said this, friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? What must be so? Secondly, Jesus did not exercise his authority when he was on trial. So the governor, the Roman governor, Pilate, Pilate said to him this, You will not speak to me? 
do you not know that I have authority to release you or authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Jesus had all authority in heaven and on earth. And he gave that up for you. We often talk about Jesus giving up his life for us. And that he did. But what we don't think about as much and don't talk about as much is Jesus giving up his authority for us. Laying it down. Refusing to exercise what was rightfully his. So I thought, well, we have military families in our church, so this is a great analogy. I assume that sailors, soldiers, airmen, that you are willing to give your life. That's a decision that every military person needs to face when they enlist, when they uh, enter military service. But how many would be willing to accept a demotion from four-star general to private? I don't think many would do that. In fact, I doubt anything like that has ever happened in history. And Jesus' demotion, his relinquishment of authority, was infinitely greater than even that scenario. As Jesus said, uh, the scriptures must be fulfilled. And so they were. And this is the last one I want to share. Jesus did not exercise his authority on the cross. And this was spoken of long, long before that day. 700 years before Isaiah prophesied these words. He says this. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers, silent. So he opened not his mouth. Contrast that. Jesus on the cross remained silent. Jesus before Pilate remained silent. Jesus on trial did not defend himself. Whereas before he spoke and it happened, he exercised authority. He said it and it was. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, so the Lamb of God remains silent. All of this is to say that Jesus gave up everything for us. He became weak for us. He died for us, was silent for us. And this is the story that we share. So my great-great-grandmother taught this to her children and to their children. And we ought to be doing the same, teaching our children, teaching our grandchildren and our neighbors about this one who had all authority on heaven and earth and gave it up willingly for the forgiveness of our sins. That is something to share. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.